Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Heidi Heron. I will be your facilitator and trainer today with the webinar. And I would like to welcome everybody on board. A couple of, of housekeeping kind of things today. Um, everybody is on mute. So you're more than welcome to make as much noise as you'd like. Um, those of you that are in a, a place in the world that it's lunchtime, go ahead and eat your lunch. Um, you will see on the right-hand side of your screen um, a panel, a, a control panel, I suppose, where you can type little messages, notes, and questions. Uh, if you do have any questions along the way, just type your, your question in there, and I will be able to see it, um, and I'll get to it as soon as, as it's relevant. So it might be till the end, and uh, or it might be as we're going. So go ahead and, and utilize the chat and question functions. That's what they're there for. Um, we're not really training NLP here, but you will be taking away some, some tools with you so that you can be able to utilize some of this information. One of the things that I highly value is um, tools and, and knowledge that you can take away with you and not just information. So hopefully you'll be able to, to take away a couple of tools and when your day gets started, if depending on where you're in the world or as you continue on with your day, then you can put into practice some NLP in NLP tools. Um, as it says on this slide here, if you have any questions, go ahead and ask them um, and I'll get to them as, as soon as possible. We are going for about an hour or so and we might have some, some time for questions at the end. At the end there will be a, a special tuition offer at the end, so that's my small commercial. Because of course we hope that at some point in time you'll join us at one of our trainings. Before I really get started on what this rapport stuff is, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Heidi Heron. I'm, I'm the one with the circle around me on the, the screen. Um, I believe this was a New Year's Eve party. Um, it's always fun to do webinars and, and share information with people. When I, when I proposed this topic of rapport, my first thought was, well, nobody can see me. <laughs> and normally this is a very interactive kind of um, topic about rapport. And so what I have planned for us today is, is some interactivity with the slides. Of course, I hope not to do death with PowerPoint. Um, however, to be able to adequately give you the skills and information that you need to take away and share with you the skills of rapport, I'll have quite a few examples and, and a bit of information to get going. I personally have been involved with NLP officially for about 12 years. I have been training NLP and I have my own coaching and um, therapy practice since about 2000. Prior to that I was in human resources and worked in the corporate world for quite a number of years utilizing the skills of NLP and it's now my pleasure and privilege to, to travel around the world and, and share these skills with people. With the Worldwide Institutes of NLP, we run the Australasian Institute of NLP, American Institute of NLP, and European Institute of NLP. And so it really and truly is a, a privilege to be able to, to share these skills with so many people. And with internet and webinars these days, I get to do that even more and touch people throughout the globe. Um, thank you to everybody who has joined us today. Um, a special thank you to somebody that I've always had uh, a great affinity with and a, a level of rapport, especially when I was about 12 years old, uh, and that's uh, Rebecca. So Rebecca, thank you very much for, for sharing today with us. She is in Germany at the moment, woke up for 4 o'clock this morning, um, here to learn a little bit about rapport. Um, she, Rebecca lived with my family in Colorado when I was about 12 years old, and so she's the, the sister that I never had, but always will have. So it's been a long time since she's heard my voice, and she said she might cry, so good thing we're on, we're on mute. So let's get this underway. So for those of you who are fairly new to the field of NLP, under NLP roughly is understanding how the language of the, the language of the mind creates and affects the patterns that we have in life. We've got patterns for everything. How we motivate ourselves, how we communicate, how we make changes, how we get, how we procrastinate, how we make decisions, absolutely everything. And we can use the skills of NLP to enhance those programs and patterns, to change them if they're not working very well, and to create new patterns and programs so that we're actually doing more of what we want to be doing and getting the results that we want to get out of in life. The topic that we're talking about today is rapport. And it's one of the most important relational skills of NLP to be able to, to build a trust and a harmony and a, a level of cooperation in a relationship that 
allows two people or more to kind of be in tune or be in agreement or have some understanding. And NLP specifically has some very simple techniques that helps us to get into rapport. A lot of people, when they're trying to build rapport with people, um, try too hard. And this cartoon on the screen here is a, a great example of that. And oftentimes, if we're trying too hard to build rapport, then people know that. It's, it's almost like being sold to. And people don't want to be sold to. But you know those, those connections that you have with somebody that you meet for the first time and it's like you've known each other forever? That's rapport. And those connections that you can just jump right back into, like you haven't had, you know, 20 years apart, that's rapport. And we can have an instant kind of rapport where the unconscious mind is, is kind of taking charge of, of the mind and body. And because the mind and body are, are affected, they're connected, therefore they affect each other. And we're really utilizing unconscious patterns when we're building rapport. And everybody already does this. So what I'm talking to you about today in building rapport isn't brand new information for your unconscious mind. Now, your unconscious mind is that non-thinking part of your mind. It's the part of your mind that, that does rapport automatically without you thinking about it. The skills that we're talking about today is really and truly just skills that you will only use when you don't have rapport, when, you're, when something about your unconscious mind is not already working. Now, so many times people try to build rapport by talking about similar interests or talking about the weather or, or other insubstantial topics that really have no meaning between people except for let's see if we have anything in common. A couple of definitions of rapport. Um, one definition is a relation of mutual understanding or trust and agreement between people. Another is a feeling of sympathetic understanding. And another one is the relationship of two or more people who are in sync or on the same wavelength because they, because they feel similar or re relate well to each other. And some of the synonyms that I came up with were resonance, compatibility, harmony, understanding, in the flow, in sync, any of those kinds of words. Rapport is so very useful to have, to have that connection, that agreement, that sympathetic understanding between people that we want something from or they want something from us. So family members, work colleagues, our clients and customers, our suppliers, our friends, our bosses, our children, absolutely anybody that we want to have that connection with, that, that agreement with, is useful to have rapport with. Now, a, an interesting thing in the, the 12 years that I've been training NLP, NLP plus the number of years that I was just using it in the workplace, total of about 15, 16 years. There's a, a presupposition or a, an assumption that a lot of people have that if I spend a lot of time with you, then we have rapport. That if I'm, you know, if my partner and I are together, we have rapport. I live in the same house as my children, we have rapport. Um, my boss and I work closely together, we have rapport. And that really is an assumption that isn't true because we might be in rapport and out of rapport one moment to another. If I'm in a, a grumpy bad mood and my partner is not, and he's trying to get me to agree or do something, then there's rapport, rapport is missing. Or if a work colleague is, is trying to get me to go to lunch and I'm busy working on a project, there probably is not that rapport. So if we want to be able to communicate more effectively, then we want to have rapport. When we want somebody to be able to have that understanding of our message so that we don't have to repeat ourselves over and over again, we want to have rapport. If I want somebody to do something, if I want my kids to be able to, I don't have kids, by the way, but if I did, if I wanted um, my kids to, to you know, do their homework in a timely fashion, instead of just dictating that, I want to have rapport so that there's more of a likelihood that they will be doing this. If you are um, an NLP or are looking to be an NLP, one of the first things that we ask for any um, exercise that we do for changing beliefs or communicating or utilizing a parts integration or swish pattern or absolutely anything, one of the first things that we do is we get into rapport. Um, rapport helps us to respect another person's model of the world. 
So a little bit of, of history about NLP or about um, rapport. From an NLP perspective, rapport was first discussed after um, observing Dr. Milton Erickson. Milton Erickson was a hypnotherapist and he was one of the people that NLP is, is modeled on. And what, uh, what's been told is that as a hypnotherapist, Erickson created and entered into this state that he called the therapeutic trance. And a student, an NLP student, noticed that when Erickson was in the process of leading a client into this trance state, he himself had the same characteristics and traits of a trance. So his you know, pupils were, were dilated, there was a change in muscle tone, his breathing was more shallow, more, sorry, more deep, more relaxed. And when he was asked if he was entering this hypnotic state with his clients, Erickson, as, as all, all, oftentimes he did with his um, kind of puzzle-like language. So somebody asked him, are you entering the state of hypnosis with your clients? And he said, well, invariably. And to this, the student asked, well, who's hypnotizing who in that case? And Erickson again replied, invariably you know, suggesting that that state of rapport was a loop of mutual influence and interaction with each other influencing all of the elements in trance. So rapport is oftentimes thought of as a dance. And I know that when I'm just observing or eavesdropping or just people watching, and I'm seeing that dance happen, normally one person is not the leader of rapport. Um, but when what we are, are normally doing unconsciously isn't working, if I feel that I don't have rapport with somebody, then I utilize the NLP skills of building rapport. Um, what we're really doing is we're respecting another person's model of the world. So we each have a model of the world that's based on our beliefs and our values and our memories and our history and every event that has happened with us. And when I have that ability to step into another person's model of the world, that is saying to that person, you're okay, I'm okay. In fact, I'm like you and people like people who are like us. And so therefore, this is a, a key for good communication is being able to be in rapport with somebody. You know as well as I do that if you are trying to get a message across or trying to communicate with somebody and you don't have rapport, that you're, it's like barking up the, the wrong tree. You could be talking until you're blue in the face and the person doesn't get you. Um, a great example of this is, is watching and observing a, a parent talk to their teenagers. And a lot of times there's not that rapport that's happening between the parent and the child. It's an implied rapport. And implied rapport doesn't really work because if I'm doing the opposite of somebody, if, if somebody is, if you know, my child is saying, I don't want to do my homework, or I don't want to go to school, and I'm just telling them or I'm instructing them or I'm dictating to them, and there's no similarities, there's no sameness there, then it will be me versus you or us versus them. And that just builds walls. And the lack of rapport, working from a, a lack of rapport, we can only push things away from us. So we can't push anyone or anything towards us. We can only push away. When we have rapport, that allows us to walk in the shoes of the other person. It allows us to have um, a Spanish word is simpatico. It's the same. It allows us to be on the same page. Interestingly, um, we're actually working with a lot of our neurology when we're talking about rapport. Uh, they've been they found um, these things called mirror neurons and mirror neurons are a part of our brain they're on the left and the right hemispheres of our brain and what these mirror neurons are doing is they're looking at other people and they're making meaning of things or they're looking at other things and making meaning of things so I can even look at a little a, a puppy dog or a kitty cat going to sleep and I can get a little bit sleepy myself because I look at that my mirror neurons fire and go ooh I want some of that too and so we're continually trying on what's happening. Uh, last week I was at a, a, um, a pub watching a rugby game here in Australia. It was the state of origin. And I don't really have a clue what's going on with this game. Um, so most of the time I just chatted to friends. But it was very interesting because there were a few times that I was watching it 
and they hit hard. They just run into each other. And it was interesting because throughout the entire bar, when there would be a big, like, person-to-person -person hit, there was a big, ugh, happening throughout the entire bar, and everybody could feel that that would have hurt. And it's not just because I can see it and make meaning of it. It's that I'm seeing it, and my body is utilizing, my mind is utilizing these mirror neurons to actually give it physical meaning to me. We can see this in, in children that are, are mimicking their parents, that they're doing the same thing as their parents. Um, you know, they're walking or they're talking or they're holding their hands or they're brushing their hair the same way. The mirror neurons are triggering off going, ooh, if that's possible for them, I bet I can do that. And when we see somebody, we're automatically making meaning of that and trying that on for ourselves. Therefore, if we're seeing somebody that is doing the same thing that we're doing, not only are our mirror neurons firing, but our mirror neurons are connecting to other parts of our neurology and saying, hey, that person is like me. I like people who are like me. The technique that we're utilizing in NLP is matching and mirroring. Matching is when you're doing the same thing, and mirroring is when you're doing something it's just slightly, it's opposite, so that if you were looking into a mirror, it would look like you were doing, you were the same. Um, oft, there's just not one way that's better than another way, matching and mirroring, but we will talk about the different things that you can match and things that you can mirror. Um, from what I can tell and from the research that I've done, there's a whole lot more that you can match than you can mirror. Because again, mirroring is kind of doing the opposite. Um, so the picture that's on the, the left-hand side of your screen is an example of matching. They're doing the same thing. And the picture on the right-hand side of your screen is mirroring. They're doing opposites, right leg over left leg versus left leg over right leg. But we are doing this all the time. Next time you're sitting in a, a, a public place, so if it's a bus or a train or a, a food court or in a park or a movie theater, start to watch people and how they become like each other. They will sit like each other. They will lean like each other. They will talk like each other. They'll walk like each other. Automatically, if you, if you see two or more people walking or running together, they are matching each other's pace. So they are stepping together. You usually only see one, hear one set of footprints when somebody is, is running or walking with another person. Usually don't they're at the same pace, and if one person speeds up, the other person speeds up. If one person slows down, the other person slows down. And this is just kind of fun to do every now and then. My my dad is a, a pretty fast walker. Um, a couple years ago, I was in the states visiting him, and uh, we were taking a walk around his very large block, and uh, he was walking quite fast. And of course, I was keeping up with him, but I wanted to slow down, and so I just gradually started to slow down, and he started to slow down. And because when you have rapport with somebody, you can also do something called pace and lead. You can actually lead them to a new behavior. And then I started slowing down even more, and he started slowing down even more. And I slowed down a little bit more, and he slowed down a little bit more. And all of a sudden, we're walking really slow, and he looked at me, and he said, is there a reason we're walking so slow? And I said, yes, I just wanted to see how far I could get you to slow down. And then we started walking at a, a fairly reasonable pace again. But sometimes it's just kind of fun to, to play with matching and mirroring. Um, in the movie theater is a, a real fun place to play matching and mirroring, and I'll, I'll chat about that in a moment. Uh, in fact, I'm going to the movies tonight. I might as well play the, the rapport game tonight. So let's talk a little bit about what we can match and mirror and how we can do this. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks of how not to get caught. Um, so that we don't make it mimicking, we make it building rapport. We make it that you are simply leading this dance that normally happens very unconsciously. So the first one is matching. So matching is doing the same as. All of these pictures here are matching pictures. Um, we can match physiology. So that means how somebody is standing, sitting, their body posture. When we're talking about physiology and NLP, it's all about the body. So this might be how somebody has their arms. It might be if they're crossing their legs. By the way, if, if a person is crossing their legs at their um, knees, it, the unconscious mind just sees cross. So it could be a crossing of the ankles or a crossing of the knees. You could actually cross over mirror something. You could actually match um, cross arms, and there's still an element of crossing there. Um, you know, if shoulders are raised or shoulders are lower, that's physiology. 
gestures, if somebody uses gestures, you could use gestures as well. I would venture to say that if somebody uses a lot of gestures, you don't want to use a lot of gestures if that's not typically how you do it. And um, one of the things that I'll mention later is you would just use the gestures that you do or that they use when it's appropriate and when you're speaking. I mean, there's I've seen people that I think are trained in NLP, but then I, I question that. Um, because somebody, I've seen somebody, um, they were just doing like a, see, this would be so much easier if you could see me. Um, they were using their hand to make a, a round gesture with their hand. And at the same time, the person listening to them started doing that as well. But it had absolutely no relevance to it. And I was looking at, at this and, and listening as well, thinking, wow. If I could just stop this for a moment and have that person use that gesture if appropriate, but when they're talking, because otherwise it's it looks silly, and then it's like somebody's copying me, and I don't want to ever be copied. Um, well, not ever, but it doesn't really feel that fantastic. So we can also match facial expressions. So again, that's if a fa if a person is making a facial expression that is warranted. Um, if somebody's talking about an you know a, a fantastic experience and they have a really excited look on their face, I might want to have that same look on my face while I'm listening to them because their unconscious mind is again going to go, ooh, they get it. They, they're like me. This person is like me. I like people who are like me. And then we can get a little bit more intricate and we can look at, at blinking rate and we can actually blink at the same rate as people or breathe in the same rate as people. We can use the same kind of um, voice pitch, and that's the, is somebody a high-pitched person or a low-pitched person? The volume, loud or soft, the timber is the quality of a person's voice. There are people that are sometimes quite nasally, and there's also people that have a, gra a raspy voice. I actually feel like I'm coming down with a little bit of a th sore throat, so the timber of my voice is probably a little bit lower and a, a, a sexier voice than normal. And of course, tempo is the speed of which somebody speaks, and we can match that as well. Um, some of the other things that we can match in mirror are underneath my piece of paper. Um, keyword or VAK predicate. So, from an NLP perspective, if somebody's using visual, auditory, or kinesthetic kinds of words, I can match those back, and I can utilize those same words or keywords that somebody is using or experiences, so I can match an experience. I can say, oh, you've, you know, you know somebody from that was born in Finland? I know somebody that was born in Finland. You've been to Hawaii? Well, I've been to Hawaii, too. And that automatically matches an experience. And again, the unconscious mind is saying, ooh, they like me. And they are like me. I like people who are like me. Um, when I'm building rapport, I usually don't use that one too often. It's usually the physiology, the gestures, the breathing rate. Um, or the tone or tempo of the person's voice. Uh, another thing is, is how somebody dresses. And this is a key thing, especially in business. Um, the middle picture with all the suits, that's the example of this one. So they're not necessarily standing the same, but they look like they're from the same club. If you go to a sporting event, you know and have an affinity automatically with somebody who's wearing the jersey of the team that, that you're you know, rooting for. Or, um, you know, even if, if somebody has on the same color as you, there's unconsciously just more of a connection with that person, strangely enough. Oftentimes in our classes, um, we'll have days where it almost seems like everybody's called each other because we're all wearing red that day, or everybody's wearing a blue shirt, or everybody's wearing brown. And it's really an interesting thing that there's, there's a level of rapport. I'm not quite sure how to explain it. But it seems like there's just a level of rapport that goes beyond a situation and beyond two people being in the same space together. And that connection that people can have when they have rapport is fascinating. Um, to me, it, that level of rapport and, and probably some higher conscious work explains how people could choose the same kind of color range and, you know, 10 out of 15 people show up in the same color or how I can think of somebody and then they call me automatically or, or within a, a few hours I hear from them somehow and to me that's a, an intrinsic kind of rapport that we have on a non-conscious kind of level it's probably a whole other topic um, but if I'm going for a job interview for example or if I'm going to a company to introduce NLP to them 
I want to know a little bit more about that company. I want to know, are they a suit wearing company? Because if so, I want to match that look and I want to put on a suit. Are they more of a relaxed, you know, casual, business casual kind of company? Because I want to have that look as well. Because if I rock up in a suit, that doesn't work very well. I know some trainers that always wear suits. Um, I have one suit that I have left, and that's just for special occasions of when I'm going to a business meeting, and, and they do wear suits. Otherwise, I'm pretty business casual um, because that suits me and suits who it is that I'm training most of the time because I know a lot of trainers that they do wear suits every training that they go to. Even if it's on a, a Saturday or a Sunday and everybody that's in the training course with them is you know, wearing shorts or jeans or really casual. And to me, I look at that, and they, they do build rapport most of the time with their audience, but it's a little, it takes a little bit longer from what I've noticed because it's almost that us versus them thing. Because especially nowadays, clothes do not mean any, anything about a person per se. They do. But in the big, gen, in the big sense of it, I was going to say the big general sense of it, um, it's more about matching. If I can be more like somebody, then it's easier for me to build rapport with somebody. But again, there's personal choice in there, and, and I know some people who would never walk out of their house without looking absolutely fantastic. Um, mirroring is, again, it's like we're doing the, the opposite thing. We're looking into a mirror. So the examples on this page are about mirroring, and pretty much we can mirror physiology and experiences. Because if we're mirroring other things, if we're mirroring the tempo, then one person's going fast, one person's going slow. If we're mirroring volume, one person is speaking loud and one person is speaking soft. And that doesn't necessarily help to build rapport. Um, but all of these examples, if you put a, put a mirror in the middle of them, it would be like they are the same. Um, there's no real difference. There's no, in my, from what I know, there's no huge differentiation between should I match or mirror. It's just, I want to be like that person. I can guarantee you that I've never been building rapport with somebody and my mind goes, ooh, should I be matching or mirroring at the moment? It's just doing it. So when I'm matching and mirroring, first of all, I need to be choosing to build rapport with somebody. And I don't need to build rapport with everybody. If I'm you know, at the grocery store, I don't really need to build rapport with the person that is, is checking me out, <laughs> unless it's a cute guy. Um, or, you know, if I'm on the bus, I don't necessarily need to build rapport with the person sitting next to me. In fact, I very rarely build rapport with the person who's sitting next to me on the airplane because it's, it's one of those things that, you know, that's my almost sacred Heidi space on the airplane. And I will probably do what I can to mismatch or do the opposite so that that person is not talking to me. But if I, you know, I'm in a talkative mood, I want to build rapport with that person so that I can have a quick chat or just get out of my own mind for a little bit. And I can utilize some of these, these tools for rapport. Um, and, and again, as I said before, when you have rapport, you can pace and lead someone to another behavior. For example, on an airplane, when I, I can think of a couple of times when I have built rapport, um, a couple months ago, I was flying somewhere. It was only a short flight. Um, in Australia, everything's a long flight. Um, but it was only a short flight, about three hours or so. And the lady that was sitting next to me, um, I think she was scared. I didn't ask her. I didn't build that kind of rapport with her because I didn't want to be doing NLP therapy on her as we were flying. Um, but she, her, she had a nervous leg, so her, one of her knees was just going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And it was starting to make me nervous. Because, again, those mirror neurons go off, and, and I can see her leg twitching, and that connects something to me, and then my heart rate starts going at the same level as her knee is going, and, you know, all hell's breaking loose, and I'm getting a bit nervous, and here I am on an airplane, and I'm absolutely fine on airplanes. And so I thought, okay, it's time to slow this down. And so I just sat like her. I put my physiology the same. I, you know, sat with my shoulders slumped a little bit, and I, and I started just tapping my leg as well, but the, the same leg as hers, so not the one that was right next to it. And so her right leg, my right leg. And I started to breathe in the same pattern as her, so out when she breathed out, in when she breathed in. And I felt that rapport, because when you have, when you have rapport with somebody, there's that feeling, it's a, a sense feeling 
that's that there's a connection there's a knowingness there's a ah yes there's a this is comfortable now and so once I felt that feeling then I just started to slow the tapping of my leg down and her unconscious mind picked up on that I don't think her eyes saw it at all her unconscious mind picked that up and she started slowing down her leg and then I slowed it down a little bit more and she slowed hers down a little bit more and then I stopped bouncing my leg and she stopped bouncing her leg and I just sat like her for a, a few more minutes and then I just moved and I went back into my own space and everything was fine I think throughout the three hours or so I did this two or three times because her knee would start jumping again um, because NLP is not magic I can't make somebody do something I can't make them change but what I can do is I can help to influence and if if I do a good job at it and she's not consciously picking up on it then her leg will stop twitching it's that you're stop stop moving with that nervousness and then my trip is much more successful um, when I was dating this was a, a occupational hazard I think because I would build rapport with with the guys that I was going out with even if I didn't really like them but because it was so it was so much easier to get through an hour or, or half an hour of, of dinner or drinks or something like that when you have rapport with somebody but the downfall was when the next day they would call me back and go yeah I really had a good connection with you you know can we go out again and I'd have to deliver the well there really wasn't that connection for me and I'm like what didn't you feel it yeah occupational hazard I'm really good at building rapport with people and because it's just so much easier and nicer to spend time with people when you do have rapport but it doesn't necessarily mean that you like them it doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with them it doesn't necessarily mean that you um, are are on that same page with them it means that you are respecting their model of the world it means that you have a connection it means that it's easier to communicate it means that things flow easier so if I'm having an argument with somebody I want to have rapport with that person I want to have rapport so that they can understand me and I can understand them if I'm only trying to put my point across there's not going to be rapport um, a couple of weeks ago an NLP trainer in Australia called me um, with a, a complaint about something and there and I really wanted to ask her where she learned her rapport building skills from because she didn't have any she basically yelled a lot uh, and was very directive in the complaint that she had and what she wanted to get across but wasn't willing to listen to anything so there was no rapport there if there had been then she actually might have understood what I was trying to say and she may might have also been able to get out what she wanted to say so a couple of tips for building rapport so you're going to be matching and mirroring things probably the easiest things to match and mirror are physiology so how somebody where they, how they're holding their hands or how they're holding their legs um, how they're standing or how they're sitting if they're sitting upright if they're slouching a little bit if their head is tilted to the left or the right or forward or backwards um, breathing is a fairly simple thing to match and mirror if somebody is talking for a long time it's uh, sorry if you're if you're just listening or sitting next to each other if somebody is talking for a long time that's harder to match their mirroring because as you're hearing me speak right now every time I'm speaking out I'm breathing out and every now and then I take a quick short breath in so while I'm speaking it's probably harder to match and mirror me um, but if you're just sitting next to somebody it's much much easier and when you're matching and mirroring you're only matching and mirroring when you're talking or 10 15 20 seconds after they do something that's not a full sentence um, so let me give you an example of this if I am let's take it from an, a perspective that I am um, just building rapport with somebody that I'm sitting at a table with maybe I've gone to a networking event and it, we haven't really started talking yet so I might choose to sit like that person maybe they have their their arms on the table with their hands crossed and they're leaning um, forward in their chair so I might want to match and mirror those things and maybe breathe like the person and then let's say that they sit back in sit back and lean into the back of their chair if we're not talking 
then I want to take that move and lean back in my chair 10, 15, 20 seconds after they do. What this does is it stops it from being mimicking. So little kids mimic the adults or mimic their, their um, siblings or anybody else really. And that's how they're learning new things. If I start to mimic somebody, well, I will get caught <laughs> at this rapport thing very quickly. Um, so when that person leans back, then I'm going to lean back 10, 20 seconds later. So I'm going to make that my move and then I'm going to lean back. And then let's say that they shift their posture and they cross one of their legs, their left leg over their right leg. And again, we're not really talking, we're just sitting there. I'm going to keep breathing like they're breathing. And then 10, 15, 20 seconds after they cross their leg, then I'm going to cross my leg and make it my move. I don't have to match and mirror absolutely everything that they do, just one or two things. Every, maybe every third move that they make, especially if they're moving a lot. So that's a scenario when we're really not talking. If we are in a conversation together, and let's say that um, I'm talking and um, I'm, I'm building rapport with you, and let's say you're sitting... Um, with your legs crossed and then as I'm uh, sorry and then you start talking and as you're talking then you change your, your body posture let's say you cross your arms and you uncross your legs I'm gonna keep sitting however I'm sitting until it's my turn to talk then when it's my turn to talk I'm going to uncross my legs and I'm gonna cross my arms and I'm gonna keep them this way while I talk and then let's say that while I'm talking, they, you make another move and you, you know, lean forward in your chair. Then when it's my turn to talk again, then I'll lean forward in my chair. So every single move that I'm making, everything that I'm matching and mirroring, has, I make it mine. So I leave plenty of time, either 10, 15, 20 seconds after you move, will I actually do that? Or when it's my turn to talk. When it's my turn to talk, then I'll make that move. There are certain things that I am absolutely not going to match and mirror. I am not going to match and mirror a person's accent. That could be very confusing for some people um, and a little bit rude. I am not going to be matching mirroring if somebody just has an itch or a scratch. That's not relevant. If they're playing with their hair, I'm probably not going to play with my hair. Um, if they rub their nose, I probably won't rub my nose. If they are just, you know, rubbing their neck, I probably will not rub my neck. So if it's a personal thing for them, it's I'll, I give it to them. They can have it. But if it's just a posture or breathing change or a sigh or a gesture, then I'm going to use that if I choose to. I'm not going to do everything, just two or three things to match a mirror. And again, it doesn't matter if you match or mirror, just that you're doing something to build that rapport. And then, once you've done that for a while, you stop. So the big question is, well, when do you stop? Now, this is probably what's most not taught in NLP land, is that you need to stop matching and mirroring. Otherwise, once you have rapport, you don't need to build rapport. If I'm trying to boil an egg and the timer goes off, that means the the egg has been boiled or my, you know, the I know how long it's been boiling, it's done. I don't need to keep boiling it. If I'm, you know, building a house, I don't need to keep building that house once once it's finished. I need to stop. Same thing with rapport. When you feel that or see rapport happen, stop building rapport. So some of the things that again I said that there's probably an internal feeling. It's just a, a knowingness or a connection or that flow. Everybody has a little bit different kind of feeling for it. So start to watch for it. Start to feel for it. Um, oftentimes when people are in rapport, they'll, they'll go a little bit red in their neck or their face. So they'll, they'll get a little bit more color. Um, and also communication starts to flow easily. And usually it takes oh, between about half a minute to about two or three minutes to build rapport with somebody. And then once you feel that, once that rapport is there, just stop and go straight back into you. Otherwise, it's too easy to lose yourself. And if we can become like somebody and match and mirror them for, you know, 30 seconds, 3 minutes, that's, that's easy. And then we have that flow of communication happen. That's great. And then stop. You might need to rebuild it a couple of times. Even with your, your spouse or your partner or your children, your, your parents, you might need to rebuild it a couple of times. So anytime it wavers, just 
go back into building rapport again. These are great skills to practice uh, when you're just out and about, when you're um, not in a communication with somebody is the best time to practice and develop these skills. So I mentioned the movie theater before. Um, oftentimes when I'm in the movie theater, I, I know at least one of the people that I'm there with or sitting next to. Not always, um, but it makes it a little bit more fun. So let's say, for example, I'm sitting and somebody's sitting to my left and my right and there's people sitting next to them. This is kind of a, just a fun little trick to play. Uh, well, it's not a trick, but it's, it's magic. So I'm sitting there, and I might be breathing like the person that's on my left, and I might have the same physiology. I might have my legs in the same spot as the person on my right. And I just build rapport. I keep breathing like the person on my left, and I keep sitting like the person on my right. And then after a few minutes, when I feel that, okay, I've got rapport, it, it might be that sense that I want to turn to that person and just say, hi, or they turn to me and smile at me. Once I know that I've got that level of rapport, then I just shift my legs. So maybe my right leg was crossed over my left, and I just switch it so my left leg is crossed over my right. If I have rapport with people, there's a really good chance that the person on my left and my right will change their legs so they're now sitting like me. And depending on the level of rapport they have with the person sitting next to them, there's a good chance that it's, it's kind of fun when you change your legs or your posture, and then out of your left and your right, um, peripheral vision, you see just this blip, 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 and everybody's crossing or uncrossing their legs on both sides of you. And that's usually quite fun, and that's a great sign that you have rapport. And I can do that a couple more times. I can go back into the breathing of the person on my right and continue to sit like the person on my left and maybe have my head in the same posture as them, and then I switch my legs to a different position and blip, 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 on the left and my right, they're, you know, moving their legs as well. So it's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, but in, in a different sense, from a, a business perspective, if I have rapport with, with my, um, a client that I, I want to do business with, there's more opportunity that they're going to do business with me because their unconscious mind is going, hey, I like people who are like me, and this person is like me. If I have rapport with my children, they're more likely to do the things that I ask them to because there's that connection with me. If I'm in an argument with somebody or a disagreement with somebody, when we have rapport, it's so much easier for me to see their point of view and them to see my point of view. If I am being interviewed for a job, I want to have rapport with that person that's, that's recruiting me because I'm more likely to go to the next state, stage of that, that interview process or be hired if that person likes me and we like people who are like us. And so it's very simple. Again, all of this stuff is not new to your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is doing this all the time. And you're not thinking about it consciously. And really the only time you need to think about building rapport consciously is when what you're normally unconsciously doing isn't working. Um, so just to recap, when you choose yes to rapport, because if, you, if you're not saying yes and you have no intention to build rapport, it doesn't really matter if you have it or not. Um, so if I'm in a situation, I go, yep, I want to practice my rapport skills on the bus, or yes, I'm in this meeting and I want to build rapport. So that's my first thing is, is choosing. Choose yes to rapport. The second thing is identify two or three things to match a mirror. Maybe it's how they're holding their arms and how they're holding their legs and the, the tilt of their head. Or maybe it's the blink, blinking and breathing. Um, and then I'm just going to match and mirror those things until I feel that I have rapport, and then I'm going to stop. And if I lose rapport or something happens, then I'm going to go back again to matching and mirroring. Now, you can also match and mirror people in, in groups. So let's say, for example, I was having a meeting with three other people, so me, so total of four of us. Um, me plus three other people, I might choose one person how they hold their hands. One person is just the posture if they're sitting upright or they're slouching or they're leaning forward or back. And another pe person, it might be more about how they're breathing or some of the key words that they're using. And so I'm matching three different people. It takes a little bit of practice to be able to match and mirror a few different things. Um, but again, once I have rapport with one of them, stop matching and mirroring that person. And then the next and then the next. And at any time, if I, tend to, if I seem to lose rapport with one of them, just go straight back into it. So again, from an unconscious level, it's really about building that subtle rapport that says, you know, I respect your model of the world. I might not agree with you. I might not completely understand you, 
but we can communicate effectively. And it's very subtle. If you're doing it too quickly or you're doing it overtly, then it's not, no longer subtle. And we want rapport to be subtle. It's a dance. At some point, we want you to not know if you're matching and mirroring or if somebody else is matching and mirroring you. Most of the time, I don't consciously think about matching and mirroring. It's only if there's not that level of rapport. A few years ago, I um, had lunch with a friend of a friend. And um, it was somebody that was traveling here for some reason in Australia. And so I had lunch with them. And after the lunch, the lady said to me, it was so nice to be matched and mirrored. It was so nice to see that how elegant you were at doing that. And I just went, yes, it was very nice, wasn't it? And I was, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, huh, how cool was that? I was matching and mirroring. I didn't even pay attention to it. Because it's one of those things that we just automatically and naturally do. So these are some things that you can go back. Again, make it subtle. Make it nice and subtle. This is, with the rapport, I'm sure that you've heard, if you have small children, get onto their level. So get down onto your knees so you can look at them in the eyes or, you know, sit down with them so that you're on the same level. That's about rapport, because if I'm talking to you and I'm above you, then it's much harder to have rapport. Um, I even find that if I'm working with, you know, um, I don't know politically correct way to say short people, um, but a person that's short or shorter than I am, um, oftentimes I'll, I'll ask them to sit down instead of talking down to them. Conversely, if I'm talking to somebody that's really tall and I have to look up, I'll also ask them to sit down so that with me so that we can have a face-to-face -face conversation. It's about being on the same level because that's a part of the physiology aspect of rapport. So um, if you do have any questions, type a little question into the, or comments, type a little comment or question into the chat or questions box, and I'll get to those in a moment. Um, but rapport is one of those skills. It's such a fundamental skill to, to NLP, and it's such a simple thing. And there's a lot of information that people don't, realize about rapport like stop <laughs> once you have rapport stop and make whatever move yours because you can then pace and lead somebody another example of pacing and leading if I'm talking to somebody that's a really slow talker the first thing that I think of is well let me speed up and they'll speed up but if they don't have rapport they're not going to so if I'm speaking to somebody who's a really slow talker and I don't have time to communicate in that way, then I can build rapport with that person. Once I feel rapport with that person, then slowly I can speed up, and they'll speed up. I'll stay at the new rate for a while, and then I'll speed up a little bit more. And then they'll catch up, and I'll speed up to whatever tempo that I want to be speaking at. But until I have rapport, I can't actually pace about that. Um, Rebecca's asked a question, could somebody not get irritated when you match and mirror them if they know the concept and what would you do then? Um, yeah, absolutely. If somebody does know matching and mirroring and they're catching you match and mirror them, um, sure, it could be a bit irritating. Um, here's how I take it. If I notice that somebody is matching and mirroring me, then I actually feel kind of flattered because they're taking the time, that 30 seconds or two minutes, to actually build rapport with me. And I probably am then easier to flow into rapport with that person because there's a desire on their part. And they're also saying, hey, there's not a connection here. Um, but if I, if I know that somebody is NLP trained, I'm still matching and marrying them, but I'm probably being a little bit more subtle. So even more subtle. Could just be breathing, could just be blinking. Most of the time we're not really aware of how we're blinking or how we're breathing. Um, or even how we're holding our foot. I might you know, make a move mine, but make it even slower. So instead of waiting 10, 15, 20 seconds, I might wait 30 seconds before I make that my move. Um, but again, if somebody already knows this concept, I don't want to just automatically presume that we're going to have rapport. If I don't have rapport with somebody, I will match and mirror them just a little bit more subtly. So I think that's about it for rapport. So these are skills that, that you can use every single day. When we get into our, our level two training, the master practitioner training, we actually start talking about another level of rapport. And that's a level of rapport with you and with things. Because you can be in or out of rapport with yourself. You can be in or out of rapport with anything, anything, time, money, people, love, exercise, health.
and we talk in, in the level two master prac training about how to actually get into rapport with other things. So just real quick, a, a quick commercial for those of you that, that are interested, we do have three different levels of NLP training that we do. Um, level one is the NLP practitioner certification, and this is just for absolutely anybody who wants to know more about how their mind works, how people work, how you, how you can communicate more effectively, how you can understand how you have created the patterns of emotion, thought, and behavior, and how to change those if you want to. So this is the level that if I could get this introduced into schools around the world, I would be teaching every single child NLP, but unfortunately that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, level two is the master practitioner and level three is, is trainer's training. Um, and the upcoming courses are on the right hand side of the screen uh, for Sydney and Singapore, which are the main places that we do train. Um, we don't have anything scheduled for later on in the year for um, Europe or the UK, but who knows, that might change. Um, and I do have a U.S.-based training, but it's a, it's, it's a closed program. That it's already full for um, August, so unfortunately that one's already full. If you are interested in coming along to one of our next N NLP practitioner certifications, this is the Level 1 training. Um, there's two happening in September, both the 14th to the 21st of September. If you are interested, have a look on NLPWorldwide.com or email me at info at NLPWorldwide or even Heidi at NLPWorldwide.com. Um, we do offer a, a discount for the people that are, are listening in either live or recorded over the next seven days um, that you can save $500 on your tuition. And if you are traveling to us from interstate within Australia or internationally um, to Australia or, um, or to Singapore, then we also have a, a travel discount to help offset some of those costs and things like that. So um, I'd love to have you join us for the, the course coming up in September. Rapport is one of those skills that we are um, teaching in that class, and we're utilizing it every single day. So the, the training is an eight-day course, but everything's built on top of itself. So everything we're learning in day one, we're bringing through to day two. Everything from day one and two, we're bringing through into day three. So it's a very generative learning style. Um, absolutely a fun course as well, and we're, we're gaining so many skills that can be used in, in work, at home, in your personal life, absolutely everywhere. Um, so I would really like to thank you for your time today. It's been a, a pleasure to share rapport with you. And it's been an interesting task to do just online where you can see my slides and hear my voice. Um, to get even more out of it, come and, and learn live and, and see it happen and see the examples happen. And that's the best way to learn NLP. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to give, give me a call or, or shoot me an email. And I'm more than happy to, to help out and answer your questions. For those of you that it's, it's just morning time, welcome to your day, or, or go back to bed and wake up when it's a, an appropriate time. Um, those of you that are in the States and it's near the end of your day, have a fantastic rest of your evening and, and a great tomorrow. And those of us that are in Australia or this part of the world, I hope you have a, a fantastic Tuesday and a great rest of your week. Again, I'm Heidi Heron with the Worldwide Institutes of NLP, and I thank you very much for your time today, and I hope you've gained something out of this workshop that you can take with you into the rest of your day and perhaps the rest of your life. Thanks very much. Have a wonderful day.